0: Uh, yeah. you gonna break your eyes. It's okay. I'm gonna
1: be staring at you I like
0: to look at people when I'm t- teaching, especially if they're smiling and going, "You're so wise."
1: Oh, yeah.
0: That's when they're going, "What?" Oh, uh, hmm. so exciting. How many people are excited? Yeah, oh, you really are. Oh, good. (laughs) I thought maybe it was like I was, you know, just me. (laughs) And I know that probably a lot of the people who came here tonight aren't basketball fans. But I happen to have Internet access through the privileges of being a teacher and the ESPN app. Which tells me that at halftime, the Warriors are losing by only five points. So I would not worry. So I was thinking about getting a substitute teacher for tonight so I could watch the game. But I thought that might be bad luck. So, uh, Because we know they're going to win tonight so that they can win when they come home. So, hi. I'm Kevin Griffin. This is Dharma in Recovery. And it's just so amazing to be in this hall. I don't know if I'm going to be able to really talk about anything else tonight. Um, this hall just opened up, went on Saturday, a, less than a week ago. And I was out of town, or I would have been here, but one of my Facebook friends, Walter Opie, who used to work here, and he, he was here on Monday night and put a bunch of pictures up on Facebook. And I was looking at it, I was going... My class is on Friday. You think they'll let me teach in there? No, they're probably going to put me back in the old place. So, until they figure out, you know, who they're letting in here, we've got run of the place. So, uh, how many people here have ever been in the hall at the top of the hill? So, you know, this is very similarly designed it's eight sided representing the eightfold path and it's really tall representing tallness (laughs) no really actually when you're meditating what you want to do is like and then you go up through there like your whole like spirit thing goes up there and I think there's like an enlightenment button up there if you can get up there you just have to look around when you get there um, but, uh, you know, in keeping with kind of the, the design concepts of the center, and this is very much uh, in harmony with the uh, hall at the top of the hill, and, you know, that place that we'd been meeting, the community Dharma Hall, it, it, it was a temporary building. You know, it was like a double-wide, basically. A quadruple. Hmm? quadruple-wide, oh, quadruple right? It was a double-double-wide, but, uh, you know, you get the idea. And it was there for like twenty five years. I mean, it's insane. it's amazing. It like did just like crumble into dust. I mean, you know, th- some things are less temporary than others.
1: You
0: know? But um, it's very moldy. I, I'm sure, no doubt. And apparently, we're allowed to bring drinks in here, not booze. You know, but.
1: <laughs>
0: um, because there's no carpet to spill it on, so just spill away,
1: <laughs> knock yourself out.
0: No ice. No ice. Right. <laughs> ah. You got priorities, you know. Um, and upstairs there are two other small rooms: uh, the East Hall and the West Hall. And in the West, the West Hall, I'll be hosting hosting holding I don't know uh, a non-residential uh, weekend retreat a Friday Saturday Sunday retreat in September 23rd to 25th so it'll be like three day longs in a row and I'm gonna w- try working with this oops what was that oh this is good I'll, maybe I'll work with that too but uh, this my workbook which there are a few copies out there um so it's exciting that this is opening up some opportunities for other events uh, here uh, than smaller things. Ah, so um, how many people are here at Dharma and Recovery for the first time? Just out of curiosity. Uh, okay, how many of you are not in treatment? Okay, I mean, yeah, never mind. That was too complicated yeah. a question. <laughs>
1: we're all in treatment of a kind that was silly Um, so
0: what we typically do here is we meditate for about 30 minutes with my guidance at least partial guidance and then we have time for questions about meditation and then a little break and then uh, I'll give some kind of a talk and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about step six, at least that's going to be the starting point, since this is June and the sixth month of the calendar, of our calendar in any case.
1: Um, So, let's begin. Finding a posture where you can sit upright and relaxed, maintaining alertness. Close your eyes, or if you're not comfortable closing your eyes in a group, just lower your gaze. your awareness come into the body coming into stillness letting the body soften Relaxing the muscles in the face, letting the jaw soften, relaxing the shoulders, softening the belly. Try just putting your attention into your left hand.
0: Feel one
1: finger at a time. Just take your mind through one. Same thing with your right hand. The hand and then the fingers. Feeling the aliveness of your body. body is awake to sensation in flesh and even as we sit still we
0: detect movement the breath moving the heart moving
1: energy moving through the body that the idea of stillness
0: is really a
1: concept like
0: the idea of silence there's no real silence or
1: stillness Notice sounds, notice what silence sounds like. Start to focus more closely on the breath. Feel the whole of the breath. As you breathe through the nostrils and the air passes. Lungs.
0: The chest and the belly expand to the ribs. And
1: contract as you exhale. Actually, a somewhat complicated process
0: that we rely on our body to know how to do. Our body forgot how to breathe. I'm not sure we would
1: know what to tell it to do. more focused, more engaged narrow the
0: attention down to one point of sensation, either at the nostrils where you feel the breath coming in and out or at the belly as it rises and falls with each breath feeling the movement feeling the passing of air at the
1: nostrils movement of the belly the ribs Breath then becomes our
0: meditation object. We call it our concentration object. But we're
1: not kind of clinging on to the breath. In union with breath. Breath
0: is just a and a grounding device to help us
1: to stay present. As the mind wanders away from the breath, we just acknowledge that and gently come back. A very simple training of the mind. Do the same with sounds
0: and sensations, anything that takes us away from the breath,
1: the in, out, the rising, falling. Notice the experience of coming back to the breath. Notice how it feels when you realize your mind is wandering. It
0: feels the transition to returning to the breath
1: and settling back again. Any moment don't want to be judging ourselves or
0: competing to hold on to the breath. It's not the point. But when we see the tension that arises when the mind wanders, the moment of release and relaxation that happens when we come back, We're seeing something about how our mind
1: creates our agitation,
0: our mind creates stress. And how returning our
1: attention to the present releases that stress. This is the process. We're looking at. Don't get too caught up in the idea that you're supposed to be
0: paying attention to your breath or that the mind wandering
1: is some mistake or failure of your practice. Not really it. More about seeing the process. That then motivates us to be more present, to let go. It's the energies, thoughts, moods, all pass through. All right. You made it. Congratulations. You didn't leave. You're a success. So um, I'd like to take questions about practice if there are any. Questions about meditation. Don't be shy, or be shy, but still ask a question. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice So the question was, how do you maintain
0: focus throughout the, the process so you don't focus on anything? Because I find my mind drifting and hard to bring it back to one. Did you hear me say during the instructions that you should maintain focus? Okay. I did not. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. I don't want to be misunderstood. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a, it's a common misconception mainly because well, partly because I think the word meditation implies to people that they're going to not have any thoughts. That's one misconception. What would you do without your thoughts? You wouldn't know how to get home. You, know. you wouldn't know how to start your car. You rely on your thoughts. But uh, we also hear the meditation instructions that say, when your mind wanders come back to your breath... And the way we interpret that is, oh, my mind isn't supposed to wander. It's supposed to stay on my breath. But that's not really the instruction. The The wandering mind is just a natural thing. That's what our minds do. We are trying to train them to be a little less unruly, unruly, uh, but not so much... That's not a goal, exactly. You know, just keeping your mind on your breath. That's not the goal of meditation practice. If there is a goal, the goal is to develop insight into the way that we create our own suffering and to stop doing that. Now, even that that's somewhat unattainable, but it's a good place to start because when we, when we start to see how we create our own agitation, how our thoughts, our plans, our memories, our judgments all uh, create an ongoing sense of uh, not enough or that things aren't right or that I need to fix them or they could be better, Uh, that sense that it's just not, things just aren't the way I want them to be, that uh, is what the Buddha calls dukkha. It's this this unsatisfactoriness. And when we see how the mind, how our own mind, actually kind of creates and buys into that sense of unsatisfactoriness we realize that there's an alternative and that's what the experience of coming back to the breath shows us it shows us the alternative to staying on that wheel so we notice we're thinking and in that moment we feel how that feels at least that's what I encourage you to notice even before you come back to the breath, just notice, whoa, okay, how does this feel? And that when I say feel, I'm talking about sort of emotion, your mind state, what, and, and, it can, and it's also physical. And then you come back, meaning essentially that your attention is coming back to the present moment, and we just use the breath as a way to ground us in the present moment. You could come back to anything that you experience in the present we oh, say for in this example we come back to the breath and in that moment if you feel how that feels as you kind of settle back you see oh this is more pleasant there is no searching seeking in this experience this is where peace exists now I don't have to go finding it it's where happiness exists now I don't have to go seek it or dig it up or manufacture it it's just a matter of letting go of that habitual chasing after thoughts. Now, you could say, well, okay, that means I should, come, I should stay with the breath. But because that's not realistic, because we can't, setting that up as a goal just creates actually more frustration. Uh, not only am I thinking, but I'm not doing my meditation right. You know. And so we just create another goal that's unattainable. So instead of thinking of, of what we should do is stop thinking, it's more about training it's training your mind to come back to the present moment. And it's also changing your relationship to your thoughts. It's to see, because part of this seeing and feeling is seeing and feeling how thinking is not a satisfying activity. It's a habitual activity. It's a compulsive activity. But it's not satisfying. You know, occasionally you have a thought that's satisfying. Ah, I figured it out. I left my keys under the couch. Great. You know, that's satisfying. Great. That stress of the worrying about looking for your keys. You know, but most of our thoughts are just creating more agitation. And... So, if we change our relationship to our thoughts, part of part of that is being less attached to them. So, it's possible to have thoughts without getting agitated, and that's you know, as we as we develop more uh, presence, more mindfulness, we start to uh, experience our thoughts. From the place of awareness, which uh, I, or let me put it another way, we start to become more aware of awareness itself. And awareness itself is never agitated. there's no disturbance in, in awareness. And most of the time we're not aware of awareness, it's subtle, and there's you know all this entertainment going on in our minds or t- externally. But when we quiet down a bit, you start to become aware that, oh, there's this other reality, just the knowing quality of mind. And when I'm observing the mind from there, it has a different effect. Our normal way of being with a thought is, I'm having this thought, I need to think it, I need to figure this out, I need to solve this. And there's no separation between awareness and the content of awareness. But as the mind quiets a little bit and mindfulness becomes stronger, we start to realize, we start to see that separation, to be able to separate awareness from the contents of awareness. And that's how we change the relationship to the thoughts. So They, they become less compelling. They become less um, of the center of things. They just become more like the sound of a dog barking you know, it's like your own mind barking at you. It's kind of what they do to us. That's an extremely long answer to a question that wasn't asked. But uh, I just
1: need something to get me going. You know, I'm kind of like an improv artist. You know. But another question I cannot answer? Yeah. I'd like to know um, how I use my practice and walk through grief. Because I'm doing that right now. I think one of the most valuable aspects
0: of meditation practice is... How it can help us to hold our feelings in kind of a, and one way of describing it is sort of a larger space. But uh, a lot of my practice, rather than being about the breath, is is really focused on feeling. And so, and the thing is, as a, and I, I mean, I think it's true for many many people have trouble feeling feelings and you know avoid them, but. For addicts, I think this is particularly a challenge. Uh, You know, addiction itself and our substance or whatever, you know, uh, behavior we were using uh, was a way of suppressing or altering feelings, you know, getting away from them in some way. Uh, And whether that's because we are less able to handle feelings or... Uh, more sensitive to feelings, or just uh, we become reliant upon our addiction to solve them. I don't know. But um, the, what we have to first kind of, I, I think, it, as with the steps, we kind of have to see that, you know, feelings are there. I can't not have feelings. So that's kind of like step one. It's like I'm powerless over the fact that I have feelings. And then we have to come to believe that we are able to be with our feelings and not be overwhelmed. And so the power greater than ourselves in Buddhist practice is mindfulness, really, and compassion. You know, that kind of practice of kindness towards ourselves. But, but especially just that capacity to breathe and allow and to, to, to let the feelings come up and come through. And um, there, you know, there's this tendency for us to so quickly kind of jump in and try to control them, figure them out, think them away, you know, therapize ourselves, that being able to take the thoughts out for a moment, you know, step away from the thoughts and just go into the visceral experience of feeling is kind of the key starting point to say, I can be with this. You have to kind of trust ourselves. And then it's a matter of really kind of breathing with feelings, sort of letting them come through. You know, the thing is that most of the time with our emotions, we think about them. And when we think about them, we actually trigger more feelings. And then the more feelings triggers more thoughts, and we get into this vicious cycle when we can st- step out of the thought process and just into the feeling process then we give the feelings room to play out because like everything else they're impermanent unless we keep feeding them you know, with more thoughts and 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 with fear you know. so so there is this courage that it takes kind of like a, the dog that's coming up to you barking and it's like you know, they can smell fear. They always tell me when I was a kid, you know, so breathe and you kind of relax, and you put your hand out. And it's kind of like with your own feelings, you just kind of go, okay, they're not going to bite me, you know, if I just breathe and let them through. Then it's kind of like, it's a little bit of coming home, coming home to ourselves. Oh, this is, this is what I'm feeling now. This is, you know... And and just being present, fully present with the feeling is very rich with feelings of grief. When my father died, I did a lot of work around just feeling. And, uh, you know, I would actually intentionally each night read some of Stephen Levine's work on death and dying just to kind of bring up the feeling because I wanted to make sure that I didn't suppress it. But what I noticed about that grieving was that it was very distinctly different from the kind of depression and sadness that I'd had a lot in my life It was very self-centered and self-created. Grieving the loss of a a loved one is a very human thing. You know, it's very natural. And we cry and we feel it, but it's not that self-directed hatred. So, uh, again, I think if we trust ourselves to feel that 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 it's something that that we can go through and and to to remember impermanence that's one of the things that i think is really important to remember when an intense feeling is coming on this is intense but it's not going to last forever because one of the sort of uh delusions of emotion is that whatever emotion we're having we've think it's going to last forever or it feels as if it's going to last forever so when we remind ourselves this is impermanent I can feel this and I just need to give it space and not fight it then it becomes a much more natural process and it's, and it's very manageable yeah. I hope you know that's helpful
1: and I hope you can work with that yeah. Thank you
0: Well, um, I guess we can take a little break. There's great tea set up out there and uh, water fountains and restrooms and all genders, you know, non-genders were covered there. And um, so uh, we'll take about a 10-minute break and we'll ring a bell and come back and talk some more. Thank you.